1: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. group. avoid word prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Pod, part of Full Press Coverage. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you doing?
3: I'm great. How are you?
5: Uh, pretty solid. Uh, no Alessandro today, but that's okay, because... Uh, I'm really pleased to, I guess, this be your podcasting debut, correct?
0: It is my podcast debut, yeah. Uh,
5: and, uh, the lovely voice you hear on the other end is, uh, my good man, my best man, uh, Keeley Alanga. Keely, how are you doing?
0: doing great, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on and giving me my first podcast experience. Should be fun. Uh,
5: yeah, and, uh, you know, first time for podcasting, but definitely not first time in fantasy, and, uh, I, I... To be honest, you're one of the individuals that I respect the most when it comes to player evaluation and just man. general game strategy and theory, and uh, probably alongside Kayla and Alessandro, the person I talk to the most about fantasy. Oh,
0: thanks, man. That means a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, I honestly I feel like we help each other a lot. Like we talk so much about football. We just like the, the we, we talk about like the philosophy the philosophy behind uh, fantasy football too, which is really really interesting. But yeah, I, it's uh, I'm excited. I'm just generally a big game theory
5: fan where you know I want the the big concepts uh and I know certainly in season we are so focused sit starts specific players but yeah I definitely love the the big philosophical talks about fantasy football and uh, just general strategy to go about building teams valuing trading rookie drafts sure. and we do free agency auctions and contract leagues and there's all sorts of uh you know great concepts in fantasy football. Absolutely. Uh, but today we're going to start We're going to talk about one particular concept, and this is rookie drafts. So uh, we've been kind of on a on a dynasty kick of late, just after the NFL draft. It makes sense. So uh, what's happening now? A lot of rookie drafts. I know I've been in quite a bit. Akili, you've been in some with me as well. I know Alessandro was in one. He gave us the results for that. So we'll uh, speak to that a little bit too. Uh, but we've got just just in what the drafts we've done. There's a a lot of information to kind of see some some key consensus things. Uh, before we dive in specifically, Kayla, do you have any massive remarks about, about any of this? No. Very clear and concise. I love <laughs> it.
0: Well, I appreciate uh, the directness. No nobody around the bush.
5: So I think the, the first thing to, to dwell on, I mean, football, everything's about the quarterback, right? Uh, and we'll get to that here. It's actually, I mean, unlike any other position, it's probably the most format-dependent. So if your league only starts one quarterback, for instance, and there's a lot of scoring where that is, where every week you can only start that one, uh, there's no super flex spot, no second quarterback spot. Uh, so how how where are quarterbacks valued there? And I think that's actually a really interesting place to start because in super flex, it's, it's almost kind of easy. Just quarterbacks are so high value, you take them so early. But here, I mean, in, in single quarterback, it's really up to the, to the person drafting. Um, so in Alessandro's single quarterback rookie draft, Joe Burrow was the first quarterback to go. He went 111. So the 11th pick overall. It actually was to Alessandro, um, and uh, while he wasn't here to explain it, he has explained to us a bit that this draft and what he was thinking. And he had mentioned uh, on his team the only quarterback he had was Aaron Rodgers. And even in single quarterback, you at least want something, especially for a quarterback that's a bit older like that, something for the future. And considering who was on the board at that point, I'm all in for Alessandro to make that that choice and take Burrow there. I definitely see him as a tier above Tua, and I see Tua as a tier above her, but I really do kind of have them separated in that way. And uh, I have no problem taking Joe Burrow in the first round if you need a quarterback in this format. If you don't need a quarterback and that value is not there, sure. Build up on receivers. I'm looking at where Alessandra took him at this point in the draft. I'm looking at guys like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, they're all great picks there so if you if you don't need a quarterback certainly no problem taking any of those receivers brandon ayuk as a first round receiver as well if you if you want to venture and push towards draft capital uh later in the in the second round we see Tua a tongue go 205 so that'll be the 17th overall pick and justin herbert later in the second round uh 209 Jordan Love, 309. Jalen Hurts, all the way down to the fourth round, 406.
3: Looking at the draft, I think Brandon Ayuk fell in the draft. Um, pr- my personal preference, I would have jumped him over T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, and... Uh, I don't know how to say this guy's name's name. I feel like we've had so many... L- LaVisca. I think it's yeah, LaVisca. Chennault Jr. I got the last name. Um, <laughs> but... I don't know. I'm 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 really high on him. I know Kyle. We've talked previously that we thought that the Packers could have drafted him at their position in the draft. Um, I I would I don't like his placement. Um, but if we were going back and forth between Anthony Miller and Brandon Ayuk, I feel like that's kind of the tier where I would I would have a hard time picking Miller or Ayuk in that standpoint.
5: Okay, and I definitely agree with that I mean I would take Ayuk over the two running backs that went ahead of him. If I didn't need a quarterback, I would certainly take him over Tunga Vailoa. and uh, sure. I, I yeah I feel strongly about more strongly about him than I do about Chenault. So and yeah, if I did if I wasn't running back desperate, I'd probably take him over Keyshawn Vaughn too, just because receiver depth in this class. Once you get outside the top five running backs, that's really been my kind of philosophy with with this rookie draft is those top five running backs. I say you know in in single quarterback, those should be the first five picks. In uh, this particular draft Alessandro's in, and I know we've been talking about the picks in the order. We haven't actually said oh, the order. Man. so
0: That's true. A, Maybe we should give, give the people, people some
5: context. I mean, we're teasing them, right? We're teasing them. but uh...
0: Probably going crazy. They've probably been screaming this whole time. Guys, we don't even know. What do you do? You can't see what you see. Tell us,
5: please. Right. So uh, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, went one and two respectively. And that's going to be a theme we're going to see throughout this, this whole process. They're... In every draft I've been in, they're the first two non-quarterbacks that go, regardless of format. And again, no no surprise here. It really just the order between Taylor and edwards hilaire and we'll get into that in a sec. I know there's definitely uh, some opposite views on on who's one and who's two there on this podcast. That'll be interesting. Uh, as Akili mentioned, Jerry Judy a little higher than we I know I would have expected. He's at three here. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers go four, five, six, and then C.D. Lamb at seven.
0: I know Akili, you've mentioned egregious. that's an egregious. Mistake! I can't believe it. Um,
5: that all the like running sick, backs uh, all the.
0: All, I don't care about the order of the running backs as much, but I believe unless your league settings are ridiculously skewed towards favoring wide receivers, there's no reason to go judy over any of these running backs. They're all in line to start within a season at at, at the very most. Like yeah, I feel
3: yeah, like I feel like running backs break down so much easier. Um, It's harder to replace them when you take a running back high in any draft format that you have. So, I mean, and that's even me playing most of my leagues as three wide receivers and a flex. So, right, though there's more, you know, to fill potentially with a wide receiver, you have way more wide receiver options that you could even stream week to week than you do for running. Absolutely.
0: Scarcity. Running back, just exactly. Yeah, just like you said, based on scarcity alone, they should have been. The first five picks. So that for me, that's probably the one of the biggest mistakes, aside from kind of going back to the where the, the first quarterback was taking, Cause I thought that was interesting. Actually, I guess you should probably give the people the the order first. Sorry, I was about well, to
5: well, I... and we're almost there. So after Lamb at one oh seven, we got Henry Ruggs one oh eight, Justin Jefferson one oh nine, and then Alessandro with two picks went back to back, Jalen Rieger and Joe Burrow 110, 111 and then Michael Pittman finished out the first round at one twelve. Uh, so, what was your Haley, what was your point about the the quarterback there?
0: Well, I, I I like where Joe Burrow was taken. I would have taken him above Jalen Rager in in this situation, just because I I believe in him a lot more. I just think he'll be a starter for a very long time, whereas Rager, I don't. Although the the situation is great, the draft capital is great. I'm not I'm not the highest on him. So Justin Jefferson was my cutoff. So I think I like I, I like where Joe Burrow was taken. I agree with it. I, I, because I I think. In a lot of leagues, like maybe they would like quarterbacks we have pushed down a lot more than this. Like having a first round in a standard league, one quarterback, having a quarterback go in the first round is probably uncommon. Um but I just I think that's a I think it's a great pick.
5: Uh now and so Alessandro does have those two picks with Rieger and Burrow. So would you would you take, as the second pick, do you go Rieger over anyone else, or do you like the pick of Rieger? Is there another receiver you have your eye on, or do you believe in one of those Tier 2 running backs?
0: I don't believe really in the Tier 2 running backs. I'm a Rojo. As you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Ronald Jones truther, so Keyshawn Vaughn does not scare me. Uh, I think it's a good compliment to Ronald Jones. It doesn't mean I dislike Keyshawn Vaughn. I just don't think he's as dynamic as Rojo, so I don't see him taking over anytime soon. He's very much an average NFL running back. Um, but I think I I wouldn't have taken Rieger. Personally, I would have I would have taken T. Higgins. Um, I'm a big T. Higgins fan, so I think for me that would have been the, the easy choice. But and honestly, that would have been really good too, because you get the Joe Burrow T. Higgins stack. Which is actually what I did. Spoiler, that's the only change I would have made. Otherwise, I'm not mad at the Jalen rigor pick. Yeah.
5: I, I've got Rieger for Higgins five in my rookie wide receiver ranking. So I'm, I'm good either way.
0: There you uh,
5: go. Probably Rieger. I don't, I don't even know who's more in line to, for year one production. It might be Rieger just because that deep threat is so needed that his specific skill set has been so needed for the Eagles that I could see Carson Wentz looking to him a little more than other quarterbacks look to other rookies. So I, I, I get behind Alessandro's picks here. So uh, I think either way though, you know, he probably had, he, he was within three players to choose from and he chose two of them. So, Kayla, do you uh, have anything to say about Alessandro's two picks here?
3: No, I think it makes sense. Um, even if they weren't needs for him, you know, this season, it makes sense down the line too.
0: He could be a stud, right? So it's almost like even in one QB, sometimes you would see Aaron Rodgers, like a few years back, Aaron Rodgers going in the first round, and sometimes it would work. Like for his big seasons, it, I mean, it was an advantage to have one of those stud quarterbacks, like having Patrick Mahomes on your team, even in one QB, huge difference, right? So if you believe in Joe Burrow, you think it can be that, then by all means. Like,
3: yeah, there's, so there's one thing that I'm noticing looking at this draft that I want to talk about real quick. Um, I know in a, when we were going over uh, the, the rankings of the uh, divisions in each conference, we were talking about our discrepancies for Baltimore and drafting Devin DuVernay. So looking at this, the third, one, two, three, four, fifth, Sixth pick in this draft, there was a tight end taken, uh, rookie tight end taken over over Devin Duvernay. I promise I speak English. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Kyle, we were talking about how we didn't really see any tight ends in this class that were really worth drafting, you know, in high rounds in the NFL draft or really at all. Um, So what is your take kind of on people's confidence in Devin Duvernay if a tight end, Went right before him in a rookie draft.
5: Uh, yeah, the DuVernay after Kement. Uh, and I mean, I, I'm looking at a lot of the picks in the second round. I mean, Chase Claypool, or sorry, the third round. Uh, Chase Claypool went with the first pick of the third round. I, that one's fine. But then Van Jefferson, Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I'm not sure I'd take any of those over DuVernay. Uh, Darrington Evans, if you believe that the Titans could regress defensively and need to throw more. He could be a pass-catching back, I, and Alessandro's pick, actually, uh, of Darrington Evans. I really didn't like Evans before the draft, but he went to the one team where he won't need to run that much. I don't think he's a really good runner, but as a pass-catcher, I think he's fine. So I, I'm down with Alessandro's decision there to take Evans, but most of the the picks before that in the third round, I don't like at all. I, I do believe Devin Duvernay's ability uh, could be a good slot receiver for Baltimore. Might be a weapon that uh, Lamar Jackson chooses to use. They're losing one of their over the middle targets in Hayden Hurst. And I get the sense they really want to phase Willie Sneed out of the offense as well. So, slot uh-huh. receiver DuVinay fits right in.
0: I still like, um, I don't think he's that bad of a receiver. I think Willie Snead's always been a quality target. It's just he's not spectacular. And I guess he's always had good quarterback play. Now he has, he just doesn't get the quality of targets that he did before. He's a good player. I think what I like about DuVernay is just that I mean he's fast and that helps the team <laughs> a lot. Um Yeah. I, I I can't agree more, Kayla. I think the fact that a tight end was taken there is just that's that's honestly that's worse than taking Judy at as high as he went. Like yeah.
3: Yeah. And and looking at it again, talking about tight ends, I think it's odd that Now, I know, Kyle, you're not high on Eno Benjamin. You said in the last episode that he just, you know, can't see where he's going when he runs. But, um, you know, there is another tight end in the draft class taking over a running back. So if we're talking about, you know, needing depth for whatever reason, I mean, Kenyon Drake sometimes is a head case and gets weird injuries. So, you know, um, I know they have Chase Edmonds, but if – you know, Benjamin proves himself a little bit more, especially in training camps or preseason. Again, I don't understand why you wouldn't want at least some sort of a depth that could blossom
2: in later years
3: over a tight end who could even be replaceable during the season or in next year's draft.
0: Or just the be same. used to block. Like, you know what I mean? She could end up doing nothing and still be on the field occasionally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
5: I mean, Trotman with the Saints, right? It, it seems like the Saints tight end has always been, whoever's been the Saints tight end has always kind of elevated. I think it's the shadow of Jimmy Graham, right? I know, Kayla and I were talking about that a bit earlier, uh, but how productive he was from the tight end position for so many years, and it was such a difference maker. And it seems as though whatever tight end's gone there since, it's raised their draft stock a little bit just because they've been the Saints tight end. I feel like that's the case here. Yeah, I don't like, you know, Benjamin's vision. I love his athleticism, though. I would certainly go with him over Adam Troutman. I would go with him over Cole Commander over any tight end in this in this rookie class. I really I don't like drafting rookie tight ends, even in the historically great rookie tight end class that was like OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku. Sorry, Akili, but anyone who took any of them <laughs> probably regrets not regrets not taking Kareem Hunt or Alvin Kamara. And you weren't the only one who did one of those oh, things. I mean it no. happened three that's times that's in our draft. You only you only the, took one okay, tight end was, like you weren't the only one and it happened in a ton of other drafts and in the, the tight end defense. in my defense
0: in my defense it was the most productive rookie tight end ever
5: yes you All took right. the right uh, of so, the 3 you took the right one you took ingram that was that he he produced the most value at any point in his career so you, I, of the 3 you you picked the right one although
0: the right tight end in that class is actually
5: the right tight end in that class actually was spending the third or fourth round pick on George Kittle, though, so...
0: would have been absolutely absolute really... Ins- it was insane value. I don't know who ended up with him, but... I don't yeah. even
5: know if he got drafted in our rookie draft. He wasn't but uh, but it, he it wasn't drafted, actually. He was drafted. The NFL was right. It was the best rookie tight end class ever. It was just it was for the wrong reasons. It was because of George Kittle, not because of the three guys that went in the first round of the NFL draft. Incredible. And this tight end class... I know Cole Komet went in the second round, but, like, we, we were coming into this draft really downplaying this tight end class is this is not a very good class and i mean i don't have any rookie tight end shares i'm not touching any of these rookie tight ends Uh, like Noah Fants, the only rookie tight end i've ever drafted probably for a while that's going to stay the same and i would advise everyone to do the same if you're in like you've got a heavy tight end premium okay if you really want to go after troutman just because he is the saints tight end in that option or or the either the patriots players because just the Availability of of the potential of being the starting tight end so easily either with uh, Devin Asiasi or Dalton Keen I I get those but I mean to me it's got to be a heavy tight end premium you've got to like JerMichael Hasty's got to be off the board and we'll
0: get to that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yes 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 we all know how much you love JerMichael
5: Hasty it is
1: Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
5: Uh, anyway, I'm going to superimpose this topic now. We're going to talk Superflex and how it changes the value of quarterbacks. We've already mentioned it. We've got Burrow in a single quarterback going end of the first round, maybe early second in a lot of cases. Tonga of mid-second, Herbert, late-second. Uh, now, in Superflex, the, the, to me, the the equation changes so much to the value of quarterback is, is so important that, it, I mean, if you're drafting for value, as much as a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor is great, Technically, anyone who's a starting quarterback probably carries more value because if you if someone needs a quarterback, you can trade a quarterback away for a for a top tier running back. I, I know I did it last year at Super Flex League. Someone was so desperate. I traded Josh Allen for Saquon Barkley. A few other pieces involved, but that was essentially the yeah, trade. I
0: remember and I remember that one.
5: You know what though? He made the playoffs because he had a quarterback. And it would have helped him in the playoffs to have Barkley, sure, but he wouldn't have even got there if he didn't have Allen. So for him, it actually ended up being worth it. And to me, it got me to the finals. Just to, to say that, you know, if I think there's justification for Herbert to go as high as the third pick, it, it like I would, t- if you really desperately needed a quarterback that bad, he's worth more than Edwards Hilaire Taylor. Because guess what? If you're, if you need a quarterback in a trade for it, someone's going to ask for that running back plus. And
0: absolutely, you know,
5: and, and you may have no choice but to give it. So, yeah, uh, I agree so, so, I, and I believe again, Burrow to the point of a tier above Tunga Vailoa and, and Herbert to. In uh, one of my leagues, so it's a 14-team superflex. So the scarcity of quarterbacks is suddenly even further with with you know, two extra teams, essentially, from what the normal 12-team is. So suddenly, instead of every team starting 24 quarterbacks a week, it's 28. So the number of available starters is basically non-existent. Uh, sitting at the 102, so I knew I was going to go quarterback. I could have stayed with Tonga Vailoa. I also had an offer, actually, to trade down to the 103, and I would have netted Terry McLaurin, and I was actually probably going to consider that. Just so, I don't, first off, yeah, I don't, that would have been a nice move. Yeah, I would have done
0: that. I don't did did you
3: or did you not?
5: Well, I actually went the opposite direction, and I moved up to the one hundred and one, and I gave up the two hundred and two as well as the one hundred and two. So I gave up the second oh. overall pick and the sixteenth overall pick to move up one spot to get Burrow. So
0: do you want to get him, Kayla, or do you want me to do it?
3: Um, you can do it and then I'll add on if I need to. I feel like you're gonna just hammer in a little bit more. <laughs>
0: All right, fair enough. I disagree strongly. Um when when it comes to I just for me, I know you have I guess it comes down for you to and correct me if I'm wrong. You have Burrow in a you know, in a tier above Tua, right? Yes. So I, I have them in the same tier. I, I prefer Burrow, but to me they're they're close. Close enough that I would not have traded up because like what did the what did that pick turn into? The um, so it you, you turned, gave up the two hundred two.
5: It's it's a good pick. It's uh, it's um, Michael Pittman. Oh sure. But and I know what you're going to say because if you look further in the draft at two hundred five, Henry Ruggs Rugs was still on the board. Oh my and if gosh! I, if, if I was at two hundred two, I would have taken Rugs there.
0: And, and and that's the thing. So it doesn't necessarily mean the draft would have played out the exact same way. But assuming it had, had you picked, you just you know kept one of two you would have ended up with Tua and Rugs, and I'd much rather have Tua and Ruggs than Joe Burrow that's just how I see it
3: my whole thing is even, that I feel like you, know. you would have succeeded with both so it's like it's not like being in like a regular season fantasy draft or even the NFL draft where you're like there's only one guy left like I understand my team needs it and the three teams in front of me need it too like you know you're a guaranteed one of them most likely tag of says, no bias coming from me, but it's like, while they might be in different tiers, you still know that you're most likely, barring any unforeseen injury, going to get a lot of production out of a guy who both organizations are priming to be their franchise quarterback. and the reason why I agree with it, because if you were not guaranteed to get one of those two, like let's say you were in the third spot or something out of three teams that needed one, while the, the team in front of you may have had more holes than you did they would probably have gone quarterback so that's when i feel like you're like okay i need to give up a little bit more to jump one spot
0: the other thing just add a little layer on top the rookie the rookie quarterback hit rate is not good like, at all uh with even with first round with, with the, the the 101 uh, um like in the actual nfl draft like they they don't they don't tend to do that great all the time not that that is always an an indication of what's going to happen with Joe Burrow. Something happened in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the future, but it could. So it's just a little layer to add in. I just think that having two players that can be productive as opposed to just one, especially Henry Ruggs, who I'm just particularly high on, that one hurts. I think another interesting part to kind of dissect here would be, so if you have, like how big of a drop-off is it for you like how big is it of a how big of a tier gap is it for you between Burrow and Tua? Like, do you really think Burrow is going to be that much more productive? Is it an injury thing, or do you maybe expand on like why you have them? Because I know some people actually have Tua above Burrow.
5: Mm-hmm. So on, yeah. Uh, there's talk of you know Burrow of, of the top tier quarterbacks might have actually the the weakest arm strength, and there's wonder about his his overall ceiling is there and. Tonga and Burrow, Burrow both very accurate, very mature quarterbacks in terms of football IQ, decision making, ball placement, doing the little things. Great, both really good movements in the pocket. But is 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 that going to be the case with two after this hip injury? The, I think there is a bit of risk behind that. Now I'm I'm taking on a ton of risk consolidating and trading two assets to get Burrow. So I definitely there is risk on my side for that. Um, and I guess for me, I, I see Burrow as especially as a rookie protecting the football a little more than throwing into tight windows. And maybe that means more tucking and running, finding ways to to just gain first downs on the ground, which he was able to do at LSU. But I wonder if that's going to be more present and decent enough as an athlete that he could he get away with that in the NFL for a bit too, if, especially if teams aren't expecting it. So I wonder if as a rookie, he ends up rushing a lot more than he does later on in his career, maybe some spike weeks from rushing touchdowns. I wonder if Burrow early on in, in, his career, maybe when he's starting games, when Tunga by may not start from week one, if I can get enough of a spike in value there that I may actually trade Burrow during his rookie year, if I can get another quarterback, not nearly as renowned and other pieces back. And I wonder I if the, the spike comes early enough that I can, can build the depth there.
0: Okay.
3: That is interesting.
0: Yeah, that is an interesting. Piece. I guess. So it's more about the, I guess you're really treating it more like a stock, right? In this case, as opposed to I'm taking yeah. this player, gonna be on my team for this many years, you're looking at it from a perspective of okay, let what's the market value gonna be? Can i is there an opportunity to make a profit here? Whereas I guess with Tua, you don't you didn't see that same opportunity. Like you don't think that Tua if he started, you know, that he'd get a value bump like that, I guess. Wouldn't be as much?
5: Yeah. Well I, I think the it the, the value bump in starting sure and, I mean Herbert's going to get that too which I think is why it's it's justifiable to take him in the top three if you really need a quarterback is you're probably going to see that value bump as soon as he starts starting, but um, I think Joe Burrow may have top five quarterback upside not necessarily as a rookie oh, wow. but like in the next couple of years uh, yeah. I don't know if I, have, I see that same upside with Tonga Vailoa. and it's it's risking again ch- chasing that upside to where the value can go to where I can move off of him and get even more than than what I gave up.
0: No, with that logic, that, that does make sense. Um, it makes and, more sense that way than just, like, he's a tier above. I just yeah. think, like, because I, I was thinking more of along the lines of... Because I think your average dynasty player maybe doesn't think about it that way. So they would think, oh, like, I'm going to pick this guy you know, could be on my team for the next 10 years, right? That's, I'm picking my next quarterback for the next 10, like,
5: since In, it's enemy? true dynasty. De- yeah. Depending on the league setting, I mean, the, or the league itself. Like, if you, some leagues aren't as active with trading as I know what you and I are accustomed to, Akili. But this is the Dynasty Trades HQ listener league, so trading happens a ton. So everything right. kind of does have to draft for value, or, or all the decisions you make, and you're just trying to improve the the total value on your roster more than anything.
3: Yeah, that's okay. a good point that you brought up because in leagues that I do, trades rarely happen, like. So, you know, listening throughout the past year of you and Alessandra talking about, yeah, what do you think of me proposing this trade? Or should I accept this trade? I'm like, people in your league actually, like, actively do trades week in and week out. Like, that's something that I'm not used to.
0: Yeah, that's part of... Um,
3: I also get way too attached to the people I draft. So
0: That's one thing. And you'll notice that doesn't stop even in leagues where people trade a lot um people it's it happens every to everyone people tend to overvalue their own players okay so that's so you're in the same boat as everyone else everybody thinks the players on their team are better because they're on their team and then trades are much more difficult to make but eventually you get past that and you start to be you start trying to be i guess more objective about the players on your team you start to get less attached because and then and then trades start to flow um but I've been there. I've been in leagues where like nothing happens and it's just kinda like, well, like it's still fun, right? You play the waiver wire and uh, you still talk tr- talk trash. But I think trading is for me, it's a it's a big part of what makes leagues fun. Especially those blockbuster trades. And I think we have a couple to talk about later on, but so I won't spoil anything, but yeah, trading is awesome. For me, it's like especially during the season, there's not there's you know, you set your lineup and then check the waiver wire and what else? I'm negotiating.
5: Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of these leagues, it actually it's a good transition Achille, to, to talk about these trades. Uh, before we get to some of these trades in particular that you and I have been involved in, especially in one league, uh, one thing I'm seeing with consensus here, and actually in every draft, I've, uh, every super flex draft I've been in, it's the same four players that have been the the top four. The two quarterbacks, Tunga Vailoa and Burrow, and then Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Jonathan Taylor. So maybe now is a, as best a time as any. Uh, it's consensusly, almost basically unanimously, the top two running backs going in rookie drafts are Taylor and Edwards-Hilaire. And it's really just the, the order of who do you have above the other. And I know I fall on the Jonathan Taylor side. I know, Akili, you fall on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire side. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't you give your case as to why?
0: Why I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over as the as the 101? Yeah, above Taylor. Or yeah. just as the top running back? As the top running back, yeah. Just as the top running back? Okay. Well, pre-draft, he wasn't my 101. But post-draft, the landing spot, it, it's its the dream landing spot with dream draft capital. This is a match made in heaven. Um, his skill set, the... Edwards Hilaire is basically a slot receiver. He... I think... Um, like he could, he could have a like Christian McCaffrey type production, but not not at that level. He could, he could, he could have eighty percent of Christian McCaffrey's production, and he just doesn't have the same profile. He's not quite as athletic, but he has insane hands and re- it's excellent route running, and not just for running back. Just as an NFL rookie, great route running, um, and he's ridiculously elusive. He's got, he's almost like. Shady-esque, right, in his ability to cut in a dime and find holes. He's a really smart runner. He's extremely strong-willed. And for a guy his size, he runs with a good amount of power. So he breaks a surprising amount of tackles. Just factor all that in. I, I love the player already. And then you factor in that he's going to be with Patrick Mahomes for, this, for, for the first four years of his, of his contract. His competition is Damian Williams, who, who, who has played really well. But he, I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is already a superior pass catcher to Damian Williams, and I think he immediately gets that third down roll and eventually works his way in the by season, week six. I think he should, at the very least, be splitting touches, and then I think he adds more value to his touches than than Damian Williams. So I I, I can see him starting by week eight or nine, even I would not be shocked. So for me, it's all about it's the perfect blend of talent beat situation. It's, it's not close to me. The, I, playing with Patrick Mahomes is you always look for running backs. I'm kind of giving away the game. You always look for running backs to be paired up with good quarterbacks and good offenses. You could have, it, of course it happens once in a while where you'll have um, a really good running back on a bad team and just carry the team and be great. But like, look at Todd Gurley. Before Sean McVay got there, people were saying Todd, Todd Gurley was a bust. You know, he he didn't he didn't look all that great. Until, you know, then Sean McVay got there and they, he managed to you know turn Jared Goff into a very productive player, and then the whole offense just took off, and then Todd Gurley just blew up. And so, a lot of it is Patrick Mahomes, to be honest with you. But I also love the player to be, but I love Patrick Mahomes more. So that's it. That's, that's and why. I
5: and I was say to be fair to you, you did have Edward Hilaire higher than most people did. He was in your top three. I know you really love DeAndre Swift, but you you were also really high on Edward Hilaire more than than most. I know I had, I had him at RB five pretty firmly. Uh, obviously the landing I, spot changes I, things a bit, but not
0: enough. I, I had him as my RB three, and I know you were. So, we talked about this like a, this a couple of months ago, and I remember you were shocked. You were like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah, man. Like, I really like his game." Um. And I think we were even talking about how his combine, you know, would be a big factor for him. But even running a 4 6, it didn't matter. And everything you saw on tape, I, everything, I, he blew me away. There was one game against, um, I, I forget, I think it was a, I think it was a bowl game. I forget exactly which game, but he absolutely dominated that game. He just looked like almost, um, Again, almost like shade, shady-esque, like LeSean McCoy. I, I get LeSean McCoy vibes. Just very smart runner, very smooth, very agile, and just an excellent pass catcher. He's just so solid all around. Um, so for me, yeah, yeah, I Well, just I'll give away my order. So uh, number one, I mean, my guy's always been DeAndre Swift. Um, this was pre-draft, and then I had Jonathan Taylor, and then I had Clyde edwards lair, And then post-draft, obviously, I mean. I had those guys already pretty close, so the situation was it was an easy it was an easy move to put him at one oh one.
5: And and I guess for myself, I already had Jonathan Taylor as the one oh one post combine pre draft and then Edwards Hair down at five. So the jump over four spots seemed a little extreme to me, but I, I also really like the first off the, the player of Jonathan Taylor, the athlete that he is. I mean his oh, speed we steadfast. talked about it's it's basically the oh, the one thing that's game missing breaker. from Edwards yeah exactly it's it's maybe the one thing that's missing from Edwards' layer game most more than anything is that break, game breaking speed
0: yeah right. for sure but again look at what um look at what Kareem Hunt did Kareem Hunt ran a 463 you don't have to have you don't have to have that game breaking speed to break off 25 yard runs like you don't have to take it to the house every time but it does make a huge difference when you can you know um like Jamal Charles right <laughs> Just, just one touch and he's gone. Chris Johnson, you know, yep. um, but you don't have to. You know, you, you know. There's been a lot of great running backs that have uh, that have succeeded without it. I think. Um, what was it? Andrew Reid was saying, you know, this guy's better than Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook has an eerily similar profile to Clyde edwards hilaire So, something to think about.
5: That's a good point. Yeah, and
3: no, uh, I just want to jump into oh. real quick about. Yep. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being in Kansas City. So Damian Williams, I feel like the main reason why he was let go from Miami is because, one, they were worried about him being a full-season workhorse, and, two, he couldn't catch the the passes, especially in the middle of the field like you already brought up, Achilles. So when you bring in a guy, it doesn't matter that Damian Williams is doing so well. I think that will only prolong how long it takes for Edwards-Hilaire to overcome him, um so I thought that was a good point so the fact that before he's even hit the field for Kansas City people are making the they're not even assumptions they're making the claims that Edwards Hilaire can do x y and z and it's like well Damian Williams can do x so it's like how far can that get you especially if teams have already really given up on you for being what your supposed strength is x of being a full season running back
0: that's that's it, and all it comes down to is how fast you can learn the playbook, really. Yeah. I think, anyway.
5: And to your you know to your credit, Jonathan Taylor is going to have a more crowded path year one with Marlon Mack being there, Naeem Hines still catching passes. Well, and it's funny because we talk about speed being the one aspect that's maybe weakest in Clyde Edwards Hilaire' game, but the pass catching strongest. Well, with Taylor, maybe it's the exact opposite, where speed is the the one thing that that he truly dominates and excels at, and the pass catching. Certainly, until his senior year, he he didn't really show that at all in his profile. Caught twenty-three passes last year, so he he passed that twenty catch threshold, and that's kind of an important mark. Uh, it's eighty mm. percent of the running backs in college that have caught twenty more pa- or more passes in a single season have gone on to to catch thirty or more in the, the NFL at least once. Right, And That's right. Zach Reed' static. It's, it's around eighty <laughs> percent. I can't remember the exact percentage, but uh, t- at tacit assassin.
0: Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Okay,
5: so, so t- Taylor showed that he got that threshold last year still clearly not as refined as a of a pass catcher as edwards hilaire but as an interior runner uh maybe the best in this class uh yeah the the footwork especially really stands out to me Uh, and really even separates himself from the all the other elite running backs um the elusiveness is there the contact balance not nearly as strong as like say someone uh like jk dobbins for instance but he still has enough speed and burst and, and again, technical refinement uh, with the game that he's going to be able to take full advantage of the holes that the, Col- the Colts offensive line is going to open for him. I mean, he's attaching himself to one of the best offensive line units, and he was already coming in as the, the the highly touted player. Not nearly as highly touted as Ezekiel Elliott, let's say, but I see a really similar situation to he's joining already the best offensive line or one of the best offensive lines in the league. And... You know, Tony would being a bit older, not sure where their next quarterback's coming from. I mean, that year, I guess they thought it was Dak. Uh, so maybe Jacob Eason is that guy for the Colts too. That would make me happy. Um, yeah, but, you know, well, older I don't quarterback. Think
0: that is, but could
5: but be older quarterback with Philip Rivers. Not really sure where this team's going, but we do know that certainly as soon as next year, Jonathan Taylor is probably the identity of this offense, and they're going to feed him the rock. And I could see him sustaining top five running back for three, four, five years, similar to what we've seen with Ezekiel Elliott these last few years. And to, to get that player on the ground floor when he might be at his cheapest, I'm, I'm all in for that. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a better, better all around running back than Marlon Mack. And especially if the Colts, this Colts team is serious about competing, which they may be able to in this, in the South, if they're winning games at the end of the year, they're going to look to the more talented guy. And I think that's going to be Jonathan Taylor down the stretch. So I, and I know I certainly expect 2021 is going to be his massive breakout year where he has, maybe top five running back upside overall in the league. Maybe I'm, I'm overselling it a little bit, but I, I believe that he he has the talent for that, the athleticism, and he's got the, more importantly, the offensive
0: line to do it. I agree with a, a lot of what you said. I think, just going back to one of your first points, where you talked about one of the biggest weaknesses for Jonathan Taylor. I think it actually, I don't think it's his pass catching. I think he's an adequate pass catcher. I think it's the fumbling that a lot of people have. That has a lot of people scared. He has a really scary fumble rate. Doesn't mean a lot of people have had this in the past and have gone to the NFL and corrected it. Sonny Michel comes to mind, but he failed for other reasons. Well, is failing. I mean, he gets the touches, but just doesn't do much with them. Um, So for that, I'd say that fumbling is probably a bigger concern than the pass catching. I think we saw enough. Like you said, he didn't really catch many passes until his senior year and then, or until his final year. And then just kind of blew up. So obviously he was able to improve in some capacity. I think there's still room for improvement there too. we refine his technique. Um, I kind of disagree about Mac being more well-rounded or sorry, but about Taylor being more well-rounded. I think Mac is probably the more well-rounded player just because of the pass catching ability. Like he is much better, I find. And because of that, I, I think I feel like Mac will kind of become the third down back and then what? Sorry, what's the other quarterback's name? Naeem I Hines. always forget his name. It's almost Naeem like I Hines. want to forget his name because I'm a I was a Jordan Wilkins fan. Yeah, I know.
5: Um, I was all, I was all in on that t- draft,
0: and and I took I took Wilkins over him. And then Wilkins got some. I thought he looked good in the times. He, the dude actually to this day he has like a 4.5 yard per carry average. So hmm? I'm just saying, there's still a chance. Well, there's not now. Um,
3: not on but, that. <laughs>
0: Not on that team anyway. Yeah, and there's no way. Um I just think that Jonathan Taylor has elite traits, right? As opposed to Marlon max just kinda like average around and he's but yeah. Taylor's clearly better between the tackles. I just think Mac is decent enough between the tackles and a better pass catcher to enough so to say that he is the more well-rounded player. Okay, but I think fair. in short order he will unseat Mac if he doesn't do it by the start of the season and he will be the guy. Like, Yes, I, 100%. I, I see top five upside as well. That team, that organization has just run really well. They just draft really well. So Kayla,
5: who made the more compelling case? uh, Keeley, uh touting up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, myself with Jonathan Taylor.
3: Oh, okay, so I'm the judge again in these little segments. Akili, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if you know that we've done segments where like two people argue and another person lays down the gavel, but um okay i need to break that back in more episodes that's fun um really i'm just stalling because i don't know which one of you guys to pick but um i i see the arguments for both but i'm probably just gonna have to go with achille because i personally feel like Edward hilaire is the better pick i already made my case for why so um i think it'll just depend on the usage for them really and how quickly that usage happens
5: Okay, well, I, mean, I think it's fair, and it certainly is happening. We're seeing a lot of Edwards-Hiller going ahead of Taylor, but again, not universally. So some interesting uh, things happening in rookie drafts. Uh, although the you know the concept of the five running backs going really highly it, you know, is sticking. Uh, none of them have fallen out of the first round in any draft I've seen. Uh, just looking through the latest I've seen any of them go, Cam Akers went 110 in a draft we were involved in, Akili. Uh, the Steel yeah they're all going in the first round every single time jerry judy cd lamb um those two have gone in every single first round i'm seeing rieger and justin jefferson in most occasionally they'll slip justin jefferson uh fell to the second but the first pick of the second round so not
4: that far with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
5: But we were gonna to get to talk about some of these trades and like and actually it's funny because I was telling up Jonathan Taylor but I'm gonna prove how much I like either of them really uh and there were a few trades right at the top of this first round uh, on the on, while the draft was happening I know I made a few trades with first round picks before the draft so on the clock uh, and it was a pick that was actually traded for I believe uh Joe burrow and went 101. It's someone who desperately needed yep. a quarterback was willing to trade up. I believe they gave up Aaron Rodgers as part of that, and I think I was looking at their team because I was remember I was with uh, with my one of my one hundred eight pick. I was going to see if I could get Rodgers or Josh Allen, and you know maybe I could have got Rodgers. I was going to have to pay it quite a bit for it, and I decided ultimately I was just going to stick at one hundred eight. Uh, but this guy looked elsewhere, and he got Joe Burrow. Uh, Went a lot younger quarterback. And I think now his duo is of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. I believe he had a third. I'm just not thinking of who it is right now. So smart pick. Yeah, smart pick there to go after quarterback, make the investment in in Superflex. And then Akili, you were sitting at the 102. And uh, Uh, I want to tell us what happened.
0: Okay, well, essentially, uh, one of our good league mates, longtime league mates, um, he's actually with us in our home league. Robbie. Ah, Robbie. Actually, he's part of the fancy community as well. Is, is he on any, any podcast, Robbie?
5: Is he? Well, actually, so um, if you go, uh, so the super, during the Superflex Super Shows live draft, uh, I know we've had a couple of them on as guests before a couple times. Uh, Robbie and I actually both went. we on during the second round of their live uh, stream. So oh, if you watch cool. uh, all three, they did all uh, day one and day two streams. So they're both available right. on the Superflex Super Show YouTube. Uh, account so you can go check them there and you'll you'll see Robbie. Uh, I think it's right around the when the Packers picked AJ Dylan. So oh no, all, all, all of Robbie. <laughs> At least it uh, wasn't for
0: the first round. <laughs> yeah, just residual sadness from. <laughs> no. I couldn't believe it. That was the worst draft draft I've seen in recent memory. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we could talk about that later or not, since this is kind of partially a Packer show, mm-hmm. as you know what I mean. As anyway, sorry to dig up old wounds. Um,
5: it's not that old though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know it's <laughs> still fresh. We're just pouring salt. <laughs> so Robbie made kind of made me an offer I couldn't refuse, although I didn't accept right away. Just on principle, I had to argue with him and try to get more. So I was going to take Tua. Um, I was in a position where I had I have two starters that are decent, and I I I was open to taking a trade. So I was kind of taking my time, kind of. Getting setting out some feeler offers, and then Robbie hits me with, with a big trade. The basis of it was this he wanted to give me Tyler Lockett, uh, and uh, a first, um, a 2021 first. Um, and I was like, that's not enough, so we kind of went back and forth a little bit. The final, tra- I won't bore you with the details. The final trade was this okay, Tyler Lockett, David Johnson, Duke Johnson. A 2021 first and a 2022 first for the 102. So I traded to Otago Valoa, a player who has never played it down in the NFL for Tyler Lockett, who is 27 years old and paired with second best quarterback in the league. David Johnson kind of looks washed up, but is on a team with a great quarterback and could, you know, Ref, you know kind of refresh his career get kind of catch a second wind and then duke johnson to kind of secure the backfield who i also really like uh and then obviously you have the 2021 first and the 2022 first i there's no way i can turn this down like this is, this is an insane value to me so i had to and it makes my team more competitive um uh, for this year so i don't think i don't see two out producing the quarterbacks i have now i think i have deshaun watson and uh Um Jared Goff. So and you also have Teddy
5: Bridgewater. So you've got a third insurance. There you go. There you go. I had Teddy. There you go. You you essentially bought two extra starters in Tyler Lockett and David Johnson.
0: Immediately improved my starting lineup because I was hurting at receiver. My best receiver, I think, was Corey Davis. No, actually I have Mike Williams. So, yeah, you laughed at Corey Davis, huh? I know. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, I think he was my second receiver last year. Yeah, the, the team was not good. That's why I got the 102, obviously, right?
3: Um, no, yeah, my, that was. My favorite thing I remember about Corey Davis last year, I was watching, you know, the Tennessee team a little bit. And, like, you know, he's the number one wide receiver on their team. And, you know, the, the passes that were being completed by Mariota, like, you didn't even see this dude, like, running on the field at all. Like, he didn't have any catches. You're looking at his stats, like, no targets, it's no just nothing. And it's weird. like, did you even play? And, and did so you? then, I remember, the second 80% week.
0: 80% snap share. Wait a minute. What? You're on the field the whole time? And you still don't catch passes? What's right? going on? We
3: still don't see you on the field. Like, it's said what? you're on the field, but are you sure? Unbelievable. And Unbelievable um, my dad and I like get along so well when we watch sports. It's our favorite thing to do together. And we, for some reason, whoever they were playing, you know, we had tuned in a little bit. And we saw Corey Davis, you know, get a catch, and we both at the same time were like, "Oh, there he is!" <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, yeah. you do." Play. So that yeah. I'll never forget. That is hilarious.
5: Yeah. So, what do you think of this trade here, Kayla? What do you think about Achille, uh trading out Tua to get uh, again this this Godfather Hall? Apparently. As he calls yeah,
3: it. Um, I like that you were able to fleece two first-round picks along with Tyler Lockett. Um, I'm a little concerned with David Johnson, but I think if you lower your expectations, knowing that yes, he can be a starter, um, and you you just need some security. I mean, you got security, and then hearing that you also have Deshaun Watson. I mean, I really like Tyler Lockett. I will preach to have Tyler Lockett.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too.
3: For as long as he's in the NFL. So.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. All because of. Um, shout out to, uh, reception perception. That was one of the first, that was the first reception perception I watched. And I was like, oh, wow. Hmm. I agree with everything you said. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And then I tried to go get him everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. Now I drafted him, I think in the fourth round last year and it was in one of my leagues and, um, the fourth round. Yeah. Cause, and I chose to take him over a second running back and then I got stuck with David Montgomery. So that was, you know, oh, no. i but hey,
0: you... in your defense, I was a big Montgomery fan, so I understand.
3: Yeah, you
5: can. Yeah, none, none probably bigger than me, so.
0: Yeah, I you know Kyle was exceptionally but, high. I was higher on him like the year before because I do a lot of advanced scouting, but yeah. Yeah, was I mean, very have, high
3: on him. Uh, Tyler Lockett and Mike Evans just balled out, so I got saved. So if he's going to save me some weeks, okay. <laughs> Helps that I already like him.
5: When we saw the haul, when we saw the trade happen, and saw, seeing what you get, I thought, okay, yeah, it made sense trading out. And now, by doing this, Robbie actually had quite a lot of the first round uh, to himself. He had um, so on top of getting the one hundred and two, he already had the one hundred and three, one hundred and four. He had the one ten, and uh, wherever his natural pick is, which might have been, might have been the one hundred and six, I think. So he was looking at a ton of first round picks already. Uh yeah. of and he clearly favored Taylor over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he took Taylor at 103 as his first running back and then was shopping the 104. And I thought, you know, I got a chance at getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And again, I have met running back too, but a chance to get either of these top two running backs. Uh, and so far, I think this is my, my only share of either, but I traded Alvin Kamara straight up for the 104. Um, my thinking behind it is I'm resetting the clock on this rookie contract. Uh, Alvin Kabar is about to enter the last year of his. Not sure if he's going to be on the Saints, uh, and even if he does stay, no Drew Brees. How effective is that offense yeah. going to be? Even if it is a Sean Payton-led offense, there there are definitely questions there. Um, you know, he's caught eighty-one passes literally each of the last three seasons. It's weird, different games, different targets, but eighty-one <laughs> passes every year.
0: So, that's the craziest. That's the craziest thing ever.
5: I love numbers. There's so much mathematical so chaos. Cool. It's beautiful, but. Um, I don't think that's a number that can be sustained without both Drew Brees and a Sean Payton offense. And if he loses both of them and he goes to a different team, I think his value could really take a, a big dive after the season. So I'm I'm getting out maybe a year too early, but I'd rather do that than a year too late. And I get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right from the start as a rookie tied to Patrick Mahomes. And like, like Achilles says, I think he's going to contribute year one. This is a team that's competitive. Uh, I certainly want to win this year. And while maybe, you know... Edward Tulare won't finish as high as Kamara. I think maybe with the whole construction of my team over the next couple years, this is, this move could really pay off. I think now, did I, you know, did I pay too high for for a rookie pick when it was on the clock or what what do you guys think?
3: No, I think your reasoning makes sense. Um, uh, I don't know if Drew Brees will sign with another team or not, or if he'll retire, but um, you know, talking about earlier in the show, the tight end position in New Orleans, the, the coaching and the quarterback play makes those tight ends better. I mean, we saw what happened to Jimmy Graham when he left New Orleans. So, you know, being a player who – no no knock to Kamara. I mean, he does have the skill sets, but it will no doubt take a hit when one or both leave or he's on a different team. Um, So I think, yeah, if you're not – if you don't need to rely on him for this year, then – definitely go out and get somebody that you'll be able to use in years to come because, you know, again, bearing any unforeseen injuries, we know Edwards Hilaire landed on a team that will use him even starting this
0: year. I like the trade and I love Edwards Hilaire. And I love, I, I think he's the one-on-one, right? But I think you could have gotten more because it's still Alvin Kamara. And not long ago, he was a like a top five startup pick. And, I still think he should be more more valuable than I w- moving forward starting right I would rather have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire than Kamara. I just want to make that clear. But I still think you could have squeezed more value out of the trade. That's just that's that's just that's just how I feel about like the like but the but overall you didn't I think you still I think it's still extremely even. I just think you could have milked it for a bit more. I would have liked it's, to see you add I just add a little bit on top, just something, you know.
5: You're calling it like a slight, slight overpay, essentially.
0: <sighs> I guess, yeah. I think
5: it's Pain a paying for of the overpay. luxury of again because you're pay- still well. And if because, you think about it, the 104 is going to be the most valuable when the 104 is on the clock. If there's a great player like Edwards-Hilare there, so you know maybe the luxury tax on the timing of this trade. If I had made this trade offer earlier, I probably could have got a lot more for
0: it. Crap, true. Right. right. So this, I think I it's did, so... a. Ass- I think it's a bold trade and I love it, right? Like, I don't like it. I love the trade. I just think you could have got more. Like, I thought, I think you could have, you could have won the trade had you gotten like an extra, even like an extra second on top, which I think could have, you could have done easily. Um, okay. Yeah. I right. just, so, I just feel like the, the, the perceived, the perceived value of, of Kamara is higher. Although I, I do, if I had to do a, a draft today, I would, I would actually take, this is going to sound crazy, but I would take Edwards Hilaire over, over Kamara as well. So I, I understand it. And really it was, it was great. I didn't think uh, that was a shock to me when I saw that trade go through. So good job.
5: Yeah. Because I had uh, earlier in the off season, I decided I was, I made a conscious effort after winning the title. I've got a lot of aging guys and I really should look to move on from this. And honestly, my plan was actually going to be to sell Alvin Kamara maybe in season, uh, get younger running backs yeah. plus in season when he's at his most valuable but like I also if, wondered if, yeah. this might be the only chance to get Clyde Edward hilaire Maybe, maybe not that cheap. I didn't. I did pay up quite a bit for him, um, but he could also skyrocket it, in value a few months yeah. from now.
0: The thing is, yeah, that that's the other thing. You like you said, you paid for him. You paid for the pick at its peak value, and you mm-hmm. sold Kamara at his, you know, one of his lowest values. So, like it's, it's not ideal.
5: It's not the way you should make a trade. This this isn't
0: textbook, and it doesn't. It's not textbook, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong move. I think it's the right move still. That's all. That's all.
5: So other trades I made in this league, particular, so I traded the one twelve and Zach Ertz to get George Kittle. It's a tight end premium; they get an extra half point per reception, and I thought the long term viability of Kittle outweighs that. And and one twelve ended up being Jalen Rieger, which is a receiver I do like, and Justin Jefferson was on the board, so either one of those options I I do quite like. Still don't quite regret it. And if I take into context of those just those two trades, Kamara, the 112, and Ertz for Kittle in the 104, that makes me feel quite a bit better about it. And then uh, the other trade I made involved the 108. Uh, And this also, I think, really helped influence me going Kamara because I think I ended up with DeAndre Swift at 108, and I think he could definitely help some year one value right now because I think he's going to overtake on Johnson probably more easily than Jonathan Taylor will Marlon Mack. I think definitely more easily. I, I'm not a big carry on Johnson fan. But anyway, I gave up Jimmy Garoppolo, the 212, which turned out to be Jalen Hurts, the 312, which turned out to be Van Jefferson, and my first next year to get the 108, but also Kenyon Drake, Alshon Jeffrey, and John U. Smith. So some future there, but also some win now moves to help the team. So, d- Kayla, do you have any uh, comments about any of these three trades, uh, all of them together?
3: Yeah, I'm not a fan of Alshon Jeffrey. Um, so I think looking at this unbiasedly, you need him to produce this year. He needs to show you something that says that he can be a viable option going forward. Um, he was plagued with injuries this past year, and then when you know he thought he could come back, it just was a nagging injury. It was really frustrating for fantasy owners, and um, I'm a little wary of that. And also when Philadelphia needed receivers in order to win games, he didn't step up. So a third-round pick for him, I eh, uh, um, I'm not not too sure about it. I know you're always high on Johnny Smith, so that makes sense. Hopefully he can step up into that role. I know when Walker was injured, he had a few games where he was a viable option. Um, and I think on a team that struggles with wide receiver play, uh, Corey Davis, um, yeah. it could be it could be a good pick. And I like Kenyon Drake because he doesn't have any competition from David Johnson anymore. Um, and as long as, I mean, I know I said it earlier, so I don't want to repeat everything, but as long as he can stay on the field and keep his mindset uh, team-based, then, yeah, it, it makes sense.
5: And I guess this is, this is more textbook of what we were talking about earlier. I, I'm buying Jeffrey probably at his
0: lowest value. Yes. Uh, yeah, and definitely and he, are. At especially back-to-back seasons with, like, terrible soft tissue injuries, which have plagued him his whole career, really. Even going back to Chicago, like, yeah.
5: To be honest, he was just a basically when we got down to it and I was willing to give up Garoppolo and my first next year and the extra picks, uh, he was like, Okay, you can get a little more than just the one a wait and Drake. And I, you know, just he I, I saw I think I, he had a few players on the block and one was Jeffrey, one was Smith. I'm like, Can I have both? And he he said sure. I think that was just kind of throw-ins, right? And I think to get yeah. a player like Jeffrey who could potentially be I mean, on this team, I've got Julio Jones and I don't necessarily need him to be a number one receiver. But if he can give wide receiver two, wide receiver three numbers, uh, especially in this tight end premium league where we only start one at each position. So a lot of flex spots. That's why I got, like, I'm building around tight ends like Kittle, John U. Smith. I've got Mark Andrews on the team. So building yeah. around the young tight ends, building around these young running backs and then a couple of aging wide, wide receivers in Julio Jones and Alshon Jeffrey. And Julio Jones is probably dying on my team. Because I'm never probably going to get the right. trade value that's going to replace his production, but certainly if Jeffrey starts to produce, and maybe I'm giving away my strategy here a little bit, Akili, but if he starts to really do well this year, he's going to be someone I'm going to look to unload in season, thinking I can get him at maybe a second spike in his career. Certainly, way more than I paid for right now.
0: Right. That makes sense, and seems seems like so you had the same idea with Tua as well. Like it's all about the you know buy low value bump. It's gonna come and then you sell high. I, I, I like I like that way of thinking too. Just because there's so much <laughs> there's so much randomness in football, it's not even it, it makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Just looking at the trade on its own, um, without thinking about the value spike, like what their value is right now. I I, I still like the trade for you. I think it makes you because your quarterback situation is obviously fine, right? In this case.
5: It's. I mean, uh, actually, no. I'm a little uncomfortable at the quarterback situation. Only two viable starters. Giving away Garoppolo, um, so, you know, that yeah, l- the backfired finished. a little bit. Uh, I I've got Prescott and Tannehill, and then oh. Winston is my third. Which uh, that's not know,
0: the quarterback is, roulette yeah.
5: didn't fall in my favor in that case. But
0: not ideal. Not ideal. But no. you ha- you're fine. You have having two starting quarterbacks is fine. I, think, if, I
5: need to, if I need to flex an extra running back a week, I could probably survive that.
0: For sure. But the fact that you have Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Swift out of this, I don't know. I don't even like the picks that were... I, I like the Van Jefferson pick. I don't like the Jalen Hurts pick. I'm sure... I bet you Chase Claypool was available. But um, I think it's pretty close. Especially because Claypool, your team is...
5: Claypool went right? two picks like, later. He went 302, so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. But... I think it's pretty close. I maybe a bit of an overpay to get 108 just because Jimmy G is so valuable in a super flex. So I think you kind of undersold because just because of Jimmy G. Like, I guess you could say, like, I would take DeAndre Swift is worth the 2021 first to me. So to me, they kind of cancel out. And then it's like Kenyon Drake for Jimmy G. Um, I think whatever yeah, be, bonus can, can you break also Jeffrey and John Smith for Jimmy G 212 and 312 Um it's I, like I'm going to take Jimmy G every time even with yeah I I, I I, yeah I think I think it's super flex
5: now you you Jimmy probably should, especially I know how much you like a Swift. little bit more
0: sorry that's it no that's all I'm done.
5: I know how much you like Swift so you probably especially the fact that I got Swift there you probably elevate that 108 side a little bit too as well right
0: oh for sure that's why to me like the the 2021 first the twenty twenty one first, and the 108 cancel out because i don't think you'd get a better player next draft at all so to me that's like i and then
5: and i do project
0: not, that pick to be or yeah.
5: er, you know late maybe i maybe my team mm-hmm. collapses but I, I you know i felt my team was pretty decent last like, year i think i can at least be a playoff like, team again
0: for sure in this format john new smith is worth, to me, is worth Jalen Hurts and Van Jefferson together. Like, I'd rather have Johnny Smith than those two guys together on my team. And then yeah, especially- Alshon Jeffrey is, like, the, the icing on the cake. So Alshon Jeffrey, the way I break down the trade would be that. And then Alshon Jeffrey and Kenyon Drake for Jimmy G. It's, it's close because of Kenyon Drake's ability to be an RB1. Like they should feed him, which is really valuable. And Jimmy G is, like, a middling QB2, like, not that great. Honestly, the more I think about it, the closer I think it is. My initial reaction was, ooh, a quarterback and super flex. But Jimmy G doesn't really produce that well.
5: He had a couple of spike weeks last year. There was a 40-point game late in the year, but yeah. there was, it's it a lot of up average,
0: and down. It makes his average look decent, but week to week, it he sucks. There's, and I know and there's, no, I, there's, I there's no rushing floor.
5: Whereas at least <laughs> yeah. with Prescott and Tannehill, if their passing games don't do well, they, can, they at least rush enough, especially Tannehill last
0: you're year. Just, you're just banking for those four touchdowns. Three hundred fifty yard games, like yeah, yeah. Think, no, like the it's Saints very game, close. For instance,
5: the game late in the year where they played the Saints, right, where they're in shootout situations.
0: Yeah, and just for your team in particular, though, it makes a lot of sense for your team. It makes your team better. So, I was just, just trying to look at it from in a vacuum, but even in a vacuum, Jimmy G is just yeah. Week to week, it's not reliable, and it's not it's not a good time. It's a very even trade. I'd even say you maybe won, kind of, just because I like DeAndre Swift and Canyon Drake so much.
5: All right. Well, thank you. And again, if I get anything out of Jeffrey, like that's a bonus. That basically, like, if he can produces a wide receiver, pretty much. Yes. I either get the trade value from him, or I'm getting production on my team. So if if he if he does nothing, then I I don't feel like I lose. Like he was just again, just kind of a throw in bonus, and I thought there's some upside there, especially again in Dynasty, the older guys who close in on thirty and are do have a history of injury which is legit that is definitely a risk but they tend to get really undersold and i thought this was a good time to buy low on, on jeffrey unlike where i did with Kabar, which is kind of selling a little too low
4: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
5: it's uh, our Moneyballers league. This is a league Akili and I have been in since 2015. Again, it's on Reality Sports Online. Contract salary cap. It's my favorite format to play. So this, you know, this league in particular, the it's my only
0: favorite format to play. Um, the the best. Played. No, I, I play on many formats, but it's my definitely my favorite as well.
5: So this league means quite a lot to us. And uh, Akili, you're you basically owned the first round this year with seven picks in the first round. And I think it was 11 overall. And most of them were like the latest pick you had was the 21st at 301. So everything was first, second round. There's quite a lot of of you picking all over the place. Um, so, So first off, can you tell us a bit about how you identified 2020 as a class you really wanted to heavily invest in? And secondly, how long ago you started this process?
0: Well, that's a great question, Kyle. I like to do my scouting in advance. Like I, I, I truly enjoy watching tape. I fall into the tape grinder category, not so much the numbers guy. Although I definitely take a look at metrics. There's certain things that are that are cool to look at. Um, and actually, that that stat that you that you had about the, the you know running backs catching twenty passes and eighty percent of them being you know having a similar season in the NFL. That's that's really interesting. Um, so I take a look at. There's definitely things that are really useful, but for the most part i rely on my eyes and um when it when it came to this class back in 2018 it was actually around this time last year um i i think i was on the phone with like kyle and we were just talking and i was doing my head i was getting my head start and i and i I think i i mentioned um jonathan taylor to him and i was like this guy's gonna be a first round pick this guy's a stud and so two years ago really like I can honestly say two years ago I was I was already looking taking a look I was also looking at DeAndre Swift and that's when Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were there and I was just watching because it was tough to find some tape only had all three of them um so I was like all right well I guess I'll watch them all and just try to watch who's who and DeAndre Swift kept catching my eye like man that guy's that guy's really quick like Man, he's smooth. And he has a great name <laughs> for football, considering the position he plays. So that was my first exposure to it. And I, the more I dug into it, because I was like, oh man, this this is a great class. Like like a lot of these guys are gonna come out around the same year. Like and some of them were seniors, and then I discovered Cam Akers. So around that time I was I was really digging in and I was fascinated because I just kept seeing these 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 guys just impressing me on tape. I just couldn't believe how many of these guys were you know, roughly the same age and roughly the same year. And like, I was like, there's, there's no way. And then I started looking at the receivers. um, And I saw Stevie Lamb and I saw Jerry Judy, and I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, these guys are NFL caliber receivers. I can see it. Um, and so that's when I decided I need to start making moves because there are so many studs, what I believe would be studs in that class. So I actually have them written down here. So if you don't mind, I, I can actually go through when the trades were done and what the trades sure. were. This was in this was May 21st, 2018. It actually has the time too, 11.25 a.m. This was the first trade. This was with Robbie. And funny enough, we always do nice big trades, Robbie and I. Um, so I gave up uh, 2023. And again, this is in 2018. And it's in May. So it's before the season, obviously, uh, right after our rookie draft. Or yes, I believe, no. Yes, right after our rookie draft because I just drafted uh, one of the players I'm going to talk about. So I gave up a 2023, 2024, Christian Kirk, Samaje P. Ryan, Devontae Booker, and Marquise Lee, and I received Jordan Reed, a 2021st, and a 2022nd. Wow. So that was the first trade. So right there, there boom, I'm at two firsts and uh, two two seconds. So I'm like, all right, that's nice. This is a really good start. And I had seen what, um, I believe this is the year that Nick went, he had like four first round picks in our in our home league. So I saw that and I was like, that's an interesting strategy. I wonder That was if the Baker
5: Mayfield just, year, right? The Baker Mayfield-Jackson, Yes, right? that's
0: right. It, exactly, Lamar Jackson year. So I was just like, hmm. And I already had a couple of picks in that. I had had a couple of picks in that draft and I thought, man, I could really, would, for this particular league format i was my i I immediately formed a new strategy which was what if i can just get a bunch of cheap studs to build around and even if you know half of them don't hit like what if i could get five solid cheap starters right because an rso the way like rookie contracts if they're on a rookie contract and they're productive they're extremely valuable so my thinking was immediately i'm just going to stock those and try to build my team around that and then fill in the gaps. And they'll be super cheap so I can spend big in free agency and get other studs. That's, that was the line of thinking that I had going in. So I'm, just, I'm on a mission at this point. I'm just trying to hoard them. Uh, so that, was, uh, that trade was yeah May 21st. May 28th, 1.25 a.m. I traded Amari Cooper, who I had just extended. Um, I put him on a four-year deal. He was making roughly like $14 a year. Um, so it was it was pretty good. He was looking like a wide receiver. One. This is one of my best trades ever. He, ga- I got a 2021 1st fir- sorry, a 2021st, f- a 2019 first, a tw- 2019 second, and a 2020 second. So I got two firsts and two seconds. Okay. So at this point, I'm feeling really good. Like I have three firsts, three firsts and three 2020 seconds. I already feel like I'm laughing to the bank. But it's not enough it's never enough I want more so <laughs> so in comes Kyle um, oh this would have been oh this would have been the next so, uh, June so this is June 3rd 10:45 a.m I traded my 2019 first um, Traquan Smith Charles Sims for anybody that remembers uh, and Jordan Reed and I received Tyler Lockett. There you go. And uh, Kyle's 2022nd or 2021st, and Delaney Walker, who ended up doing not much. He got injured that year, actually. I think he broke his ankle like the first week, which was really sad because he's a great player. So that's how I got the fourth 2021st. The next trade, uh, it was actually during, during the season. So all of the trades obviously were before the season in 2018. During the season, in week 10. I traded Matt Ryan, who was bawling out that year. I believe he was like top three guy that year. He just went went crazy. I traded him straight up for a twenty twenty first. Oh, not straight up, but for a twenty twenty first and Cameron Meredith. So that that's a name that we haven't
5: heard in a while, Cameron, Cameron Meredith.
0: Cameron Meredith. I remember he, until he had the knee injury. Yeah, wow. So yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um I guess I should have sent this to you guys in the show notes so it could be easier to to actually see. But uh, so that was the, that that brought me to five firsts. Then the 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 final trade to secure the seven firsts uh, and the seconds. I, I traded with uh, Stephen, uh, who is actually still with us. He's really cool from the UK, I believe. Yes. Um,
5: yes, he is. This was
0: in now this was this was in 2019. So this is the this is uh preseason. Um uh, it actually it was in April. So I traded uh 2021 fourth, 2021 third, Tyreek Hill, and oh. Tyler Lockett. I know, I know. <laughs> it was big, it was a big big move. And I received a 2022nd and two 2021sts. And for me, Ty- Tyreek Hill was on a two he had two years left super cheap deal he was like I, I think it was four or five million per year but then I also gave up Tyler Lockett which who, who was on his last year so the person it was like a win now move for the other person you get Tyreek Hill for two years Tyler Lockett for one year um and then my team sucked I was rebuilding this was my grand plan to rebuild it was a two-year plan and um uh, so yeah that's how I secured another second in the sixth and seventh 2021
5: so so just looking at the draft then like you got all these first now you actually have to make the selections the one pick you didn't have this is the 102 and you ended up with the 101 103 104 105 106 108 and 110 so you had you know four picks in a row but you didn't have that second pick so you had to make that that first choice was kind of a a tough one for you because you had to make a decision so can you go a bit just through your decision making process of why you went with that particular player First pick is a Clyde edwards hilaire yeah. Why did you make that pick as opposed to what I guess well, I know? A, quite a few of us were
0: expecting well, you to go with Joe Burrow. Probably I, I'm assuming everybody thought I was going to go with Joe Burrow. So the reason I went with Clyde edwards hilaire is because I was I was kind of if I didn't own if 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 I didn't own so many first round picks I would not have done it this way, but because I knew I was going to dictate. <laughs> I knew there was only one pick before I could pick five other guys. So I just wanted to get my guy. I didn't, for me, like like my, like I mentioned earlier, I have Tua and Burrow in the in, in the same tier. I do have Burrow above him, but not enough so that like I would I would rather miss on having Burrow and take Tua than miss on having Clyde, basically because I'm so high on him. Um, so it was for me. I I wanted to secure that. I absolutely love Clyde
5: which has been consistent with uh, what you've I, been saying talking about me you know you wouldn't have traded up for burrow in my shoes and again you'd taken edwards lair over taylor so this is all you know pretty consistent with what you've been saying so far yeah
0: mm-hmm. for sure for sure um and so actually and then greg uh followed up with the best move that could have possibly happened for me um he took tua at, at 102 and i was like wow and i just had to stop for a second like wow and I think it surprised a lot of people, <laughs> but uh, so he took to us. So at number three, I took Joe Burrow, one of the easiest picks of my life. <clears throat> um, so I started off the draft with my, you know, top two guys, and then the the rest of my strategy was pretty simple: um, get my best running backs. So after Clyde edwards layer at one and and then. Joe Burrow at 103. I went Jonathan Taylor at 104 because he is my running back, too. And that was another very easy pick because I love him. And then I actually took the guys in order. So I took J.K. Dobbins next at 105. The landing spot is amazing. He's extremely explosive. um, And I just, it's a match made in heaven, especially with Lamar Jackson. The rushing, it just makes his rushing upside even higher, right? Because Jackson is such a threat. Um, and then the next one, this was kind of tough. I was kind of on the fence with both, uh, deciding between Deandre Swift and Cam Akers. I went with Swift because pre-draft he was higher on my board. I liked the situation better for Akers. I actually like carry on Johnson. I know Kyle is not a fan, but I'm like, you, I was actually high on Karen Johnson. The only reason I didn't take him, um, in one of my drafts over another player was because of the injury concerns. And sure enough. Um, It's one of those situations that actually, you know, because they say about a a lot of players and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does, but I was actually very scared because his goes back to like high school. Uh, So I took DeAndre Swift because I think he's still the better player and injury history suggests that carry going to miss time and nobody else on the roster even comes close to being the caliber of of Swift. Um, So after that, Cam Akers went and Kyle (laughs) – uh, Kyle made an excellent trade and uh, trade up to snipe me. I didn't think it was possible to get sniped when you have seven first-round picks, but he sniped yeah. me, and he took Cam Akers, uh, which was a great pick. So that left all, you know, like we talk about that, those first five running backs are obviously the the most coveted ones, and then after that, it's a huge, huge teardrop, in my opinion. Some people like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, but, you know, yeah. again rojo fan here so i want to wait i took cd lamb and a lot of people have jerry judy as their number one i prefer cd lamb's game i think he's a more complete receiver i think the route runner is still comparable enough to judy i, don't, I still think judy is a better route runner uh, but cd lamb has better hands better at the contested catch and his run after the catch he just makes he's just so determined and almost plays like a, like a running back after the catch i really appreciate that about his game he's just uber competitive i see deandre hopkins he, the way some of the spectacular catches he makes, the body control he has, um, I, think the sky's the I think this guy's a limit. I think he's the number one uh, caliber type prospect, number one receiver. He's got he, he's got all the tools. Um, and then Jerry Judy went one hundred and nine, which I thought was a good pick. Um, I would have taken him I had someone else went. I had like Justin Herbert gone, um, and then I had one ten. So I took. Henry Ruggs, and a lot of people have him a lot lower, but I've been high on him for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of concerns with him. I understand. Um, it's just, they just—they think basically he's like John Ross, <laughs> but I see him as a lot more than that. So, I mean, I just really to to sum up the first round, I just wanted to make sure I got Clyde, and that I didn't care which quarterback I got, and then I was loading up on on running back, and then taking my my best receivers. That was. That was it.
5: And you did manage to get two of your top three receivers, st- while well, still getting four running backs. So Oof,
0: I, think- I got I mean, of course, I was gonna be happy regardless of how this draft shook out, man. Like there's 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 no way I was gonna be unhappy with <laughs> with the end result. So
3: Yeah, and then yeah. you still went on to pick two wide receivers after that. So
0: Oh yeah, my plan was three, to go actually. running.
3: Oh three well, my- yeah.
0: Yeah, the reason I did what I did is because of running back scarcity, of course. I think most leagues are like this. But for me, I, I, I had to make sure I hit every quality running back that I believe was going to start. And then just there's so many receivers. I, I actually considered not taking a quarterback at all and just getting those first, getting all five of those running backs. I, I really did. And then hoping one of the 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 quarterbacks would fall to me at eight. Um I felt like it would be foolish to do that. Just take take one of those top top two, so and I ended up with the best one in my opinion. So, yeah, the so, the, just, the receiver class was so deep, like it was absolute madness.
5: And it, I think it's perfectly reflected in this draft. So I took Acres at one oh seven. Keyshawn Vaughn went two four. That's the only running back between Acres at one oh seven and then Zach Moss at three oh three. So there's a huge gap where there's no <laughs> running backs taken. Yep. I even took Jacob Eason in between. Yeah, uh a ton saw. of receivers went. Yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely higher on Eason than I am on Hurts and Love, as evidenced in this draft. Or actually, a lot For of drafts, sure. he wasn't even. I mean, he was drafted I'll, in superflex, but, but no, how much of that be is
0: because it. you're just trying to reject the idea of the Packers drafting a quarterback?
5: I think it's because in that league, I am just addicted to having Colts quarterbacks. Uh, Cause I've oh, got okay. Jacoby Brissett and I've got love Beeson, so I've consolidated the backups. I don't have Phillip rivers. So it's kind of useless almost. But That's so true. If rivers gets I, mean, hurt, I have either shot at the starter and they're only I my think... third guy. So
0: listen, listen, sometimes the universe tells you things and you got to listen. You had, you had Andrew luck and you dodged a bullet when you traded him away before the retirement. Okay. It, it, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, you get stuck with this contract at some point, Kyle, you just got to let them go. Just, just let these cold quarterbacks go. They're just they're just not for you. They're just not meant for you. It's fantasy, I'm sorry.
5: <laughs> anyway, so yeah, well uh, apparently. Uh, but so for for the reference of the Cam Akers pick of trading up again, i, I- says he thinks I made an excellent trade. Um with the oh, players was who were taken, trade. I would tend to agree. Um so I I traded I ended up with no first entering the draft, but I had four seconds, including the two oh one and two oh four. And those are the two picks I used to trade up to get the one oh seven because I really wanted one of those running backs and Uh, Those two picks ended up being Justin Herbert and Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, Smart move by Marcus to get not only a quarterback, but a quarterback on his Chargers team. So happy Marcus Kohlberg, our FPC Chargers manager who's in this league as well. Um, And he's the one I traded with, actually, obviously. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, he, I guess he wasn't as high on acres. And I think Herbert actually where he got him a good value. Now, I also had the 205. So I was really hoping I didn't regret giving up the earlier of those two, the 204, 205 picks. And I really wanted... Jalen Rieger he was my he was my wide receiver four, and luckily Marcus took Keyshawn Vaughn. I guess again passing up on the chance to Acres, he thought maybe I needed goodness. a running, oh he needed goodness. a running back. So I'm I gladly, I gladly took Jalen Rieger at two hundred five. Now to be fair, Rieger wasn't was gone. I might have gone Keyshawn Vaughn to be honest. So I I would okay. disagree necessarily, but again <sighs> I I'm, I I I am so you don't like Rojo. Back. every. Well, it's not just that. I, think, I just think I'm so needy at running back that I'd probably go with the positional scarcity. But, I mean, Jalen Rieger probably needs to start for me this year, most weeks, so I'm really hoping he, he produces well. And we'll see if uh, if that works out in that case. Kayla, did you have any comments about this draft, about Achilles' strategy in general, of uh, how he approached 2020?
3: Um, Just the fact that Kyle and I were talking before we started the podcast, and I was like, wow, like he really went for, you know, all of those running backs um, at once, and uh, kind of we kind of just chalked it up to, you know, team need, and then um, I was surprised that you didn't go wide receiver earlier, but, um, I mean, obviously, you got two of them still in the first round with all your picks, but um, both Kyle and I were surprised that a, a wide receiver didn't go until the eighth pick. Uh, I'm sure it would have been a lot different if, you know, you didn't pick seven times, but. Um,
0: for sure, we, for sure.
3: We were talking about how, yeah, you, you got four of those running backs, and you can see who's gonna who's producing, who's not really fitting, and then sell them before people start to realize that they're not the best fit for the team that they're on, and then you can get more things back. So we figured that was one of the the strategies that popped into your head, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I very much of the I, – I, I adopt many strategies, and I, I, sh- I shift all the time. I'm a fantasy football chameleon. I'll zig where other people zag, or like I'll just, or I'll I'll go with the herd. Like it sometimes, whatever I feel is best. But when it comes to the idea of value spikes, I mean, the, the, obviously rookie picks are at their highest value during the draft, but there's no way I'm selling the running back. There's no way I'm giving up running backs of this caliber with this draft capital in the situations that they're in, because eventually they'll be, if they, if at any point, one of these running backs has a thousand yard season, they're immediately worth a couple of firsts. So, and they'll, they could, they could work then and, and they become like a top 15 startup pick. Mm-hmm. That's extremely valuable. So if even, even if it doesn't happen to all of them, I could still make my money back. Um, But hopefully, I mean, I don't think any of these guys will like actually bust. Like I don't think anybody will, will not yeah. do anything, but for sure, I, I definitely try to look for those value spikes too. And, I just try to avoid trading four players with the intention of trading them, because if you're stuck with them, you still have to be okay with that. That's, ha- that's come back to bite me in the past. But, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if if not for me owning the whole first, I would have loved to see what our league did um, had there been more variance in the <laughs> the team's picking as opposed to I mean, just you you'd love free. that
5: but not as much as you love this draft huh? because you picked not, all the. not teams.
0: nearly as much not nearly as much this is my crowning achievement in terms of like in fantasy football this is this is something that i i i had a vision from very early on like i was like i would love to own literally every pick and i was like that's not reasonable because i don't want i already have so many rookies on my team although i still should have done it um and i tried but Eventually they went, once they once the league saw I had seven, they were just like, Okay, that's enough. You don't need any more. You're being greedy now. And they just kind of shut me down. You which know? is understandable. Well, I mean that's
5: Greg, Greg having his own 102, that would have been his his team was not
0: in a good position. It wouldn't have been smart for him to trade you his one oh two pick sure. because but I, I, let me tell you, I, I was I was hitting everybody up. I was trying <laughs> to get everybody's 2022nd, twenty twenty-second. Twenty twenty-first, sorry. Um yeah, I I wanted the bad also, even, during the dra- even during the draft, I was still trying to get, <laughs> I was still trying to trade for these picks.
5: Yeah, you were trying to get that 109 to get Judy and get both Lamb and Judy, right? <laughs> Weren't you?
0: I would have loved to get both of them. Love, love, love to get both of them. I would have been like, yes, I get my top two running backs, the top quarterback, and my top two receivers. That would have made a perfect draft. It had, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter though. There's no such thing as a perfect draft. I just, I'm very happy with it still.
5: Yeah, and I mean, I, and you know, with only one first, I'm still happy with the receiver depth that I got. I mean, I ended up with Jalen Rieger, Denzel Mims, and Brian Edwards. So, three receivers go. that I can trust. And it's, you know, deep starting requirements. We have to start three running backs, four wide receivers every week. So, yeah. um, you know, we, the tight end discipline was much better in this draft than all the others. Uh, <laughs> oh only goodness. one tight yeah. end went, Cole Clement, yeah. and he went 405. So, late enough. I mean, I, again, Devin Duvernay went right after him. That seems to be a theme in every draft.
0: <laughs> that's so true. Maybe it's uh, maybe this is a clear tear break right here that we don't know about.
5: <laughs> I, I also so made sure to draft Jermichael Hasty in every single rookie draft I was in. I mean that's that's my brand. I know I've I've been touting it out and yes, he's an undrafted free agent, but fourth round, you know, late in the fourth, I was I, I could see the upside with him against uh you know, he I think he fits in well with what Kyle Shanahan likes in a running back. He's a spark score freak. Uh, caught a bunch of passes he should fit in well as a third down back on a team where that 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 role isn't really well defined. Oh, Achille, you're a big fan of Tevin Coleman. He's not a natural pass catcher in the sense. He's you know great athleticism. He's, yeah, he's, he's never gotten been gotten better I... at the refinement the route running. It used to be just be dump yep. offs. It's a bit better now sure. but I still think Jermichael Hasty has that refinement coming into the NFL. And I mean, if he makes, he's a UDFA, so there's no guarantee he makes the team. But if he does make the team and he starts producing, he he's definitely someone that I'm gonna try and flip in most leagues. Like, if, if ever I could, if ever he gets like a second round value at any point, big touchdown games, perceived to be a lead back, I'm sold. I'm I'm selling at that price. Even if I can get a third, in most cases, I'm probably it's better than what I invested. Right, so. For sure, he's going to be someone where he'll he'll either he's probably not going to be on my team and maybe a couple teams in in some cases, but he's either going to flame out, not make the team, and I'll, I'll just cut him, or he'll do well enough in an, in the next couple years where he's going to be someone I may have to hold for one or two years, but then flip them later on for for more value, or he's playing amazing and I want to keep him. But uh, for sure, you know, all all possibilities are open. Again, fourth round picks, you're just throwing it upside. So that's that's. You know my my thinking there with Hasty is I'd rather throw the upside at a guy that I believe in more than certainly any tight end, but even some of these receivers going after him. And specifically to RSO in our in our league, uh, the so again contracts, um, the fourth round picks. If you release the player before the first season starts, that none of that money gets is guaranteed. So because um, I was thinking, okay, do I take Jermichael Hasty there or do I let him go through and and he fall? Prob- I could probably get him pretty cheap in the free agency auction, maybe even at minimum price. But I, I chose instead. I'm going to throw my three and four year contracts in the auction at rookie receivers like Quintez Cephas and Tyler Johnson, keeping thinking I could hold them a bit longer. And Hasty, if I doesn't, it doesn't look like it's too good, this is probably a league where I'm going to cut him because I get that guaranteed salary totally off my books. It's not very much as the last pick of the draft, but enough that it you know save that dead money. And and you know we do have to cut down our roster spots. We have 30 in the off season, but we cut to 26. In season, so he's probably a likely candidate to be cut. I thought of that more than a receiver there, whereas I, I want to keep those guys, and I'm not going to get the as much cap savings if I cut those guys because they were free agent additions, and not fourth round picks. So that was just a bit of theory there on Hasty, but in most other cases with leagues, it was just the pure. I, I just believe in his upside more than any other upside. This right. pick here was more positional game theory of the, specific to the league.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I think that I think that makes sense as well. I, I, I really agree. I think Jermichael Hasty is the, the perfect fit, and I'm kind of surprised. I guess it just speaks to how deep the draft is because I feel like he's definitely one of those running backs that could, like, in a weaker class I could have been drafted in, like, the fourth or fifth round, right? Um, I like his skill set a lot, and I, I agree that he's a much more natural pass catcher than Tevin Coleman. Uh, I remember when Tevin Coleman first got into the league, I, had, I was a Devonta Freeman owner at the time, and everybody thought, Coleman would come in, take over, uh, and then Devonta Freeman put up two of the best, one of the best back-to-back, fancy um, performances like ever. are RB
5: one overall, one year.
0: Yeah, like that. You took advantage of that
5: and rode him to a championship in this particular league. Actually, so you mentioned this draft as your crowning achievement, but you know, you you won the league in 2016, and you did it on the back of five, you know basically five starting caliber running backs. are basically all RB twos every week for you. And I, th- it, you know, it seems like you, you're trying to repeat that with this draft and it, it, it oh, may yeah. very well work.
0: Maybe. Yeah. No running back is my, like I always, I've always focused more on running backs. They are easier to evaluate. And for me, I just, I enjoy it. Um, also it's just tough to find wide receiver footage. It gets cut off a lot. It's just really difficult to do, but with running backs, I mean, you always see the line of scrimmage. you are always going to see how they how they hit the hole and how they react. So, um, It's fun. Hopefully I can repeat. Maybe it'll be this year. If not, we'll see. It's always the goal. Just get better.
5: Yeah. And I mean, our goal here was just, again, educate you. We've, you know, Keely and I have experienced some rookie drafts and we've just given some insight on on some of the decisions we're making, especially at the top, but kind of throughout where some of these players are going. Um, Before we leave, Kayla, did you have any final comments about any of these rookie drafts in general, specific players we didn't get to mention?
3: Um, no, I don't I don't think so. I think just overall, it makes me interested to maybe do this in the future because I mean, I'm not a part of any leagues like this. Um, I told Kyle beforehand that I'd probably get last every year <laughs> just because of oh, all no. the, all the favoritism that I would probably, you know, play or I would just sign somebody way too long because I think they're gonna be good or, you know, just hand people money like it was like a flower. But um, I think, I don't know. I think it would be fun to try, but I, it's not something that I feel like I would be able to keep up for my you know, next 20 years of my life, so I'd ha- I'll have to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
5: we're, we're already in year six of this league cycle, and uh, I don't think there's any, uh, it doesn't look like there's any chance of slowing down, and, you know, outside of no NFL season, of course.
0: I, 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 put, this, I put this in the chat. Uh, the other leagues, I, I'll be honest, my other leagues, they're, they're a lot of fun, but if I became too busy to be able to keep up with them, Regardless of how busy I got, I would stay in this league. I will stay in this league until the day I die, yeah, that's,
3: that's or until it
0: folds until it folds, but yeah.
3: yeah I was just gonna say that's how I feel about I do a hundred dollar money league every year that's set up nice you you pick up people on the message board and the only waivers mm-hmm. are the people that are dropped the week before, so it's really interesting and you only get a, a specific amount of moves every week um. And like if I had to give up every league but one. I would definitely just stay in that one, <laughs> even there though it's a. There
0: <laughs> uh, It it makes it that even that much more interesting though. Never
3: realized what it felt like to just throw money away when my team sucks and I paid a hundred dollars for the suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, but when you win, if you win. Oh,
3: it's great! It's great. It's
0: so satisfying. One time. <laughs> Yeah, the glorious victory,
5: Kayla. And I think we're actually going to, next episode, we'll probably actually talk about some of that. I mean, we're, I know we're approaching our 100th episode and we've got maybe some special things planned, but uh, you know, we've we got you know, one more before that, so uh, stay tuned. And, uh, you know, follow along at, on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod can also follow your co-hosts. Uh, the absentee Alessandro is at AM underscore senator. Kayla's at North to Kayla 74 and myself, Kyle Sandra at Yama underscore KS. Also don't forget to download the full press coverage app to give you access to all the great written content podcasts, as well as the full press radio network. Everything that's produced by full press coverage is all there on the full press coverage app. So check that out, whether it's Android or Apple, it's available for free on all the app stores. So yeah, get the full press coverage app. Um, Akili as the guest, any final words for us before we, uh, we sign out?
0: Just thanks for having me on. It was really fun. I love fantasy football, specifically yeah. Dynasty, um, and specifically RSO. The RSO format is really fun. Um, but yeah, no, it was great to meet you, Kayla. And uh, no, it's a great show.
5: I mean, I, I think our our listeners should be privileged to get this exclusive content because again, I I think I think you're a great fantasy mind, and I know you're not you're not producing content, but you certainly think about the game to the level where those in the industry do and i, and I think uh your insights here could, could certainly help a lot of people so uh i appreciate it i mean i appreciate every time i talk to you but i appreciate even more so that you're sharing with uh, our listeners here on the full press fantasy pod